Welcome to the NextGen Work Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Ross. I help leaders support working parents so that they can recruit and retain the best people. Join me as I interview experts and provide insights into the struggles that parents and caregivers face in the workplace. Learn how your business can become a place where parents feel included, supported, and valued. Being a family-friendly business isn't just a nice-to-have anymore. For the next generation and those that are raising them, it is critical. In today's episode, I'm talking with Lauren Duke from Steamboat Ski Resorts. When Lauren had her first child, she discovered that there was not a lot of childcare options in the remote ski town where she works. She also learned that this was a problem for lots of her colleagues. So she took matters into her own hands and along with some of her co-workers convinced the resort to open an employee-sponsored child care center. I hope you enjoy this conversation where we get into that journey and all that it entailed. Hi, Lauren. So thank you so much for joining me on Playgrounds and Paychecks today. Uh, to get started, will you just tell us a little bit more about you, your, your daughter, how old she is? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I am Lauren Duke, and I work at the Steamboat Ski Resort in Steamboat, Colorado, and I have a two and a half year old daughter. And when she was born, we needed childcare and there was none available. So um, we decided to open a center. I like to say just for my daughter, but really for the children in the community. <laughs> no, I love that. So, I mean, you had a you know, a very real problem as a mom. And rather than just, um, you know, sitting around and complaining about it, you, you kind of found a way to solve it. And I think that's great. So she is two and a half years old. And, you know, you said when she was born, there was nothing, right? So like set the scene for us. Was there literally no options around you? That's a little bit extreme, but the, the options were very um, minimal. So I live in a rural community in Colorado. Uh And because of that, uh, the options for community childcare are very limited. There was actually only one center that took in infants for community members. There was another center that was employer-based. So it did take infants, but you had to work for the hospital. And then everything else really was childcare facilities for children three or potty trained and above. And so we Thanks to all my friends who had been in similar situations, we knew to get on the wait list right when we found out we were pregnant. But the yeah. wait list was kind of um, kind of a, a sham, to be quite honest. It's impossible to keep wait lists for children in daycare because they age out of the wait list by the opportunity becomes available. So, yeah. um, so the center that we had our focus on, um, I spoke to the director and she said, pretty much you have to call or email me every single day. And if you get lucky and happen to call the day that someone else has called and said that they're moving on, then we have a space for you. So our tactic was for the first three months of having a child when I had so many other pressures on my plate. Every morning I woke up after I pumped and I fed my baby, I um, called the child care center and said, how about today? And it took about two and a half months for them to say yes but only two days a week. So then we then we were forced to find a nanny, which fortunately I'm in a position where we could afford that. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't easy to find a nanny in a rural community. We got exceptionally lucky and found a phenomenal nanny. But um, really, we picked the first nanny that became available and got lucky, but it was not a lot of options. Um, so we were fortunate that about six months into my daughter's life, we did have full-time care for me to be able to go back to work, but it was a hodgepodge. And it wasn't until 
um, the center at my employer opened that we got five days a week, dedicated, committed childcare for my daughter. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, we're in a pretty rural community too, and I have to drive about 30 minutes to get to our childcare center. And we were lucky to get in there. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, you stay there or you, you know, pray that everything is going well because we didn't really have many other options without driving a whole lot farther. And that's exactly what prompted um, some of us at the resort to ask our leadership to base child care center because we are a rural community. We actually have some people who live even further. I live in the city center, if you call it a city. Uh-huh. And we have a lot of employees who live about 20 to 30 miles outside of town. And one of them was my employee. She was my communications manager. And her center, she had a child one and a half years old when my daughter was born. And her center closed because they couldn't find enough teachers. It was the only child care facility within a 30-mile radius. So she now had to choose between going to work or caring for her child. There were no other options for her in this very, yeah. very community. And so that was kind of the impetus. She lost her care. Um, another coworker of mine had moved to town to take a job with the resort and was promised child care for her three-year-old. So you think there's a lot of availability once they turn to three, but that classroom shut down. And then I was in the boat where I had a new daughter and didn't have any child care. So here were three employees, very quality, committed, career-driven employees in just one department that we were about to lose because child care wasn't an option. Yeah. Wow. So how did you, I mean, you, you decided that, you know, employer-sponsored childcare was going to be the answer here, you know, that that would really help all three of you and more of your colleagues. How did you convince your employer that this was a good idea, that they should invest in this? Yeah, that was both difficult and easy, to be quite honest. Um, I think the why wasn't hard. Everybody could see the why. There was not childcare. It is an important tool in recruitment and retention the sad stories behind it, those are all really visible and really compelling. And our leadership absolutely understood the why. It was the how. How are we going to make this happen? How is it going to be viable? That was a bit of the trickier part. Um, And we got incredibly lucky. I really truly believe that when things are meant to be, all the universe aligns. So we were able to convince our leadership of the why. They said, tell us how and we'll support it. At almost the exact same moment, um, the state of Colorado is investing a ton of money in early childhood education. There's a new department dedicated to early childhood education. There's universal pre-K. And then there was um, grants for emerging child care centers with a lot of money available. At the same time, an amazing organization called Epic, which is entrepreneurs investing in child care. And Epic put together a design lab that was the sole focus of the design lab was helping employers figure out how to open employer-based childcare centers. It was a six-month um, lab that we were we applied to be a part of and we were accepted. And it walked us through every single step of opening a childcare center. Everything from the licensing that you need to the requirements of how tall a toilet should be, staffing guidelines, budgetary guidelines. It was literally a roadmap to success. And without that, I firmly believe we would not have a child care center. So we were able to present that to our leadership. They saw it. They saw how it was able to be a reality. For them, the biggest challenge was accepting that child care is never going to be a revenue center. We are a ski resort. We are a for-profit business. We operate on positive EBITDA. But this, there's no plus in the column of money when it comes to child care. And so 
the biggest hardship was convincing leadership that it was going to be a subsidy. And they understood that the balance of recruitment and retention was worth the subsidy. And we now subsidize to the tune of about $200,000 at least a year. But if you look at that from a recruitment and retention lens, you're saving money. You're keeping people in the workforce. And that $200,000 is better spent on keeping people in the workforce than hiring and training every single year. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to cost the business a lot more money if every time somebody has a baby, they have to quit their job. (laughs) Because of course, your employees are going to have babies. It's going to (laughs) happen. And usually it's the the women who are going to leave and stay home with that kid if there's no other childcare option. Absolutely. But I think that's also a really important designation that um, we dedicated our center to families because, yes, there's a lot of women in our workforce, but there's a lot of men specifically in the outdoor industry. And a lot of them do partake in their child's first early years. And or a lot of times the woman is the quote unquote breadwinner, to use an outdated term. But and so it's more it's more possible that the dad can stay home. And so if we can accommodate both parents, we can say that the mom can go back to a different job, but since the dad works for the ski resort, he can have access to childcare. Then we really are truly making it about bringing families into the workforce. Yeah, absolutely. So for you and the other parents who are able to take care or, you know, take advantage of this, how has that been like a game changer for you being able to just take your kid basically to work with you, uh, you know, knowing that they're, going to have that space and that they're going to be safe and cared for all day without the added stress of juggling, piecing it all together. Game changer is absolutely the right word. There are so many stories and examples of how meaningful this is to me. Not only do I get to go to work knowing, like you said, that my daughter's in a safe environment, but that she's thriving. I love that our facility, because it's employer-based, it has the same values that my job has. And it's the reason that we live in the community that we do. So our child care center is an environmentally outdoor-minded um, child care center. She spends 90% of her day outside playing, even in the cold. We live in a ski resort town. We like the cold. Um, so she's immersed in nature. And I love that. I love that the schedule, because it's an employer-based facility, is the same as my schedule. We work non-traditional hours in the sense that because we're a vacation destination, we're open on ma- major holidays. And most child facilities are closed on major holidays. And it didn't even register to me until I think it was Martin Luther King Day when our center was open because we were open. And all of my other coworkers who have children at other centers, their center was closed because it was a holiday. And I didn't even think about how much that would have stressed me out if I had to find care for my daughter on a holiday when I was still expected to work. So it's little things like that that just make so much so much relief. But also what I love is every day when I go to pick her up, it's my coworkers I'm picking her up with. We leave the office together. We go to the child pick up our kids. A lot of my daughter's friends now are my co-workers' children. So it really does make an even more tight-knit community between my job and my private life. Yeah. And that's great, you know, that you're able to have your kids forging those friendships, hopefully, while you and your co-workers are, co-workers are too. So you can kind of set up play dates and the kids are like growing up together with all the people that you work with. And that's that's awesome. I hadn't even thought of that benefit. Uh, my husband works non-traditional hours too. He's a law enforcement park ranger. So he works all those holidays and weekends. And um, that was like one of the major reasons, reasons that I 
changed careers because of that weird schedule and the daycare hours not matching and we were never getting any time together. And so I definitely can relate to um, the strange, you know, non-traditional hours and how much daycare like matching those hours would make such a huge difference. Yeah. Um, So from like the business side of things, have they already started to kind of see results from this? I mean, it's a fairly new center, right? When did you open? So we have been open less than a year. We opened December 19th, 2022, but we absolutely already seen results in the first, um, when we first opened, we opened because we are employer based, we opened for staff first. And then we said, if there were any spaces available, because in the early stages, we knew exactly how many employees on our staff had children. We knew that we wouldn't fill the whole center with children. So in the first phases, we also opened up any available spots to the community. Um, when the first phase went out, we had 19 children from our staff sign up and we had space for 35. So we opened it up to the community and so sad, but we had a wait list of 49 kids within the first 24 hours. That's how great the wow. need is in our community. Um, so what we say about our center is it is, I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. It's a benefit for us. We are using it to get it to work for us. It's not totally a community benefit, but it does become a community benefit for two reasons. One, if we do have space available for community members or two, a child like mine that was in a community-based center, I'm now taking her out to put her in the employer-based one, which does open a spot for another community member. So just having space and availability is a community benefit. And so what I can say is from that first initial round, um, we had a few ski instructors, which are usually part-time seasonal employees. We had ski instructors that can choose any ski resort around the country. And many of them do travel to different ski resorts. They chose Steamboat specifically because they had a child and we had a childcare center. So that was a prime example of this working as a recruitment tool. And then obviously the retention. We have a lot of staff members who are career-driven staff members who have children in the facility. I know that part of our research was um, asking our staff, especially our younger staff, if they would consider staying on with the resort as they do their family planning. And a lot of them did. And since the center has opened, a few of those people have gone on to have and start their families. And so I feel like it really is creating a security blanket for people to be able to put down roots and call Steamboat Springs home and call Steamboat Ski Resort their future career. Yeah, that's awesome. We have a few friends who are kind of into that nomadic lifestyle of working at ski resorts and things like that, where they can move around to different resort towns um, and, you know, live that lifestyle, but none of them have kids. And thinking about it, I wonder if it's because that, you know, that chosen lifestyle and the types of places they choose to work is just not very family friendly, really. Um, you know, having to jump around to different childcare centers or even find a resort town that has childcare available, um, you know, could be really difficult and challenging. So I, I could totally see how if more of the resorts had this available, it would make it a more family friendly, you know, career option. And you could still choose to have this tourism based lifestyle and a family. Absolutely. And what's neat is there, there's still a lot of opportunity in the ski industry, but there are a lot of mm-hmm. ski resorts, right? We are a part of the Altera Mountain Company. And I'm really proud to say that of the, I think, 15 owned resorts by Altera, 
quite a few of them do offer child care for employees. There's Winter Park in Colorado. There's Blue Mountain in Canada, um, Stratton uh, on the East Coast and Deer Valley in Utah. I know that those ones do. And so, yeah, it's, it's a change of perspective that, you know, back in the day when ski resorts opened, it was a ski bum lifestyle. But now it really is becoming a family. Um, career and to accommodate that is so important. And then obviously the pandemic just shined the light on the need for childcare everywhere, but especially in remote mountain destinations or rural communities. And I truly believe the reason I'm most proud of the center at Steamboat Ski Resort is I truly do believe that it is the leadership and business community's responsibility to offer this benefit. Um, they need to lead the way. They have the resources most of the time in the communities and they have the ability. And it's our duty as a ski resort now at Steamboat, I think, to show others how this is possible, why it's important and why it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at the day that we're recording this, we've just gone over this child care cliff like two days ago where, you know, a lot of government funding has ended. There's been a lot of lobbying and kind of, um, a lot of debate about whether the government should have some sort of universal childcare or whether they should invest in it and how involved the government should be. And, you know, where do you think that businesses and employer sponsored childcare can kind of fit into that puzzle? Yeah, to your point, it's more important now than ever because we have the resources, we have the voice. At Steamboat, we are a world-class ski resort. We have notoriety in our name. We also have some really important guests who come ski at our resort. So we can leverage that. We can leverage our leadership. We can leverage our parent company's leadership to have a strong voice at the local level, at the regional level, state level, and most importantly, at the federal level. A lot of childcare centers are just barely staying afloat. They don't have the resources or capacity to also advocate or lobby or do any of these big things that are really important. So we have to be their voices for them. I truly believe that now that our center is open and we are serving the children in our community, our next step and our next responsibility is to be a loud vocal advocate of why employer-based childcare centers are a necessity, but also why the federal government plays a role state government plays a role in helping fund these kind of centers. Not every business can subsidize to the tune of $200,000. To be honest, in a perfect world, no business should have to subsidize to the tune of $200,000. But that's the reality of our right now. How do we keep moving forward so that's not a common or easy reason or excuse for people to say we're not going to do a child-based or employer-based child care center. Because my vision is right now, Steamboat is kind of the exception and we should not, we should be the expectation. We should be that when you look for a job, the same way you look for a 1K or health benefits or medical benefits, you should expect a company to offer child care benefits. And that would also mean that people have the flexibility to not feel stuck in one career or one job because they have that benefit, they would have the capacity to move around to other jobs and careers because other places offer it. So it is, it's a vital critical benefit. And it's something because of that, that the federal government should be supporting. So uh, to be very long winded, it's our responsibilities, every business leader's responsibility to be loud and be vocal at the government level to ensure that we continue to fund childcare. We continue to find new opportunities to fund childcare. And we focus on that because it's not a special interest 
issue. It is not a small issue. It is a workforce issue. It is an economy issue. If we're not providing the opportunity for parents to be in the workforce, we're not supporting our economy. And now you wonder why there aren't people working in every job at every level. It starts with the availability of childcare. Yeah, absolutely. Childcare shortages are going to lead to workforce shortages. We're already seeing that. And, you know, if something isn't done, we're going to see it even more. And I love how you say that it should become the norm um, so that, you know, it's the same as searching for other benefits. You know, if I work at company A and I don't necessarily love my job there and I want to start looking elsewhere, I'm going to assume that all the other places I'm looking have some sort of healthcare benefits some sort of retirement benefits. Like that is an assumption. I'm not going to avoid working at one place because they don't have it because they're probably going to. Um, And it would be wonderful if childcare was the same way. And you were talking about how it matches up with the values of your business and the career that you have chosen. It's a very life or outdoor lifestyle. And that's something that your family values. And your childcare matches that just because you've chosen this place because that's the kind of work you enjoy. And of course it matches with your lifestyle choices too. So if everyone could kind of search for an employer that matches their lifestyle choices and their values, and then the childcare automatically kind of match those values too, like how wonderful would that be? Yeah. It's definitely a utopia at this point. It seems so far. (laughs) I, d- I don't think it is. I think we just have to reprioritize some of some of our priorities. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, businesses see it as an expense. And of course it is. Like you said, they're not going to make money off of this. It's going to be an expense. But so are most of the other benefits they're providing. You know, they're not making money off of providing health care, um, you know, insurance. They're, that's an expense. It's it's an accepted, normal business expense, and it should be the same. I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about a new mini course I am offering for teachers. If you're a teacher who is planning to continue breastfeeding after maternity leave, or maybe you are already pumping at work, I encourage you to check out this mini course, Planning to Pump. This course will empower you to confidently pump breast milk for your baby, even as a busy teacher. The bite-sized, self-paced content will help you learn to advocate for yourself, understand your rights as a breastfeeding mom, and set yourself up for success. You can learn more at playgroundsandpaychecks.com slash planning to pump. And if you're not a teacher, don't worry, I have something coming soon for you too. Now, back to the episode. I think about an industry like the ski industry too, but in general, I think about um, there's a lot of government funding for higher education. And I support that. I'm not trying to say that there shouldn't be, but it's ironic to me that we provide funding for college when a lot, not all, but a lot of people are further into their career and probably at a higher earning level versus early childhood education, which happens when most people are young and early in their career and probably making a very minimal salary. So here we are offering government support when people potentially could afford it versus at higher education versus early childhood education when a lot of people can't afford, even when it's a, a quote unquote reduced rate of 30 dollars $40, $50 a day. So we need to reprioritize that with the government funding to understand 
How do we get children to college? Well, we start them off with a really good early childhood education. But right now we're kind of on a seesaw and it's in the wrong direction, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. If they don't have a good start in life, uh, the chances of them, you know, even going to college are sadly a lot lower. So let's invest in that early childhood education and giving our babies the best start because we know that they're like fundamentally growing the most. Their brain is doing the most development in those first five years of life. So that is a critically important time for us to be investing in our children's life. And if we don't invest in them there, like what is the point in investing in higher education? Because they may not get there. Exactly. Exactly. And there are so many you know, interesting ways to invest. It doesn't have to be a traditional childcare. It doesn't have to be an employer-based childcare, though I'm a big fan of that. You know, there's friends and family networks. There are there are so many ways to creatively figure out how to provide childcare as a benefit. One of the things we discussed in our community was our, at our resort was um, subsidization without an employer-based childcare center. So how do we give our staff who need childcare an extra subsidy to offset the cost? For us, that didn't work out because there was no space. So, you know, it's always the two issues of affordability and accessibility. And, we, you know, you can't look at them exactly even. You can't have affordable childcare if you don't have anything accessible. So you have to start with the accessibility. That's where we decided it made more sense for us to actually open a center than to try and provide subsidies for our staff. But there's so many solutions out there that could happen. It just takes a lot of creativity and a lot of commitment because you have to understand in one column, especially from a for-profit business, you are going to lose money. But you have to understand the offset of gaining money in non-tangible ways with your staff. Yeah. And I think you're right that it's going to require a lot of creativity. Um, In an earlier episode this season, I talked with somebody who opened a childcare center that also has a co-working space and a um, exercise, you know, a gym all in under one roof, because that's what her family needed at the time that her kids were born. She created that solution and it's not traditional. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's the key. We have to stop expecting everybody works nine to five. And that all of our childcare centers should be nine to five focused. Uh, you know, our workforce has evolved and our childcare needs to evolve with it. And I that, that brings up a good point. It's not work based, but I love seeing different childcare opportunities out and about in, in public places. Like our library has um, a few pods where there's a desk and a little like crib set up next to it. So you can work and your child can be right there next to you. And one of our um, recreational facilities has a daycare on site so that parents can work out and put their child care, child into care for one hour. Like y- you got to support families if you want them to be your customers and you have to support families if you want them to be your workforce. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, childcare used to be more of a community-based thing anyways, you know, historically and still in some cultures, it really is a village's, you know, a village is raising the kids. Like literally they just cooperate together to raise each other's kids. And I love that model and how in some instances we're kind of getting back to that. Um, You know, you talked about how your coworkers and your kids are all kind of getting to know each other, be each other's family. So it makes it a little bit more of like a community between, you know, all of your coworkers and their kids. And I just think that that model, it makes a lot more sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the community. And that's why I live in the place where I live is that sense of community. And this is just an extension of that. And it, it does, it warms my heart that 
you know, she's only two and a half, but she already has friends and her friends love the same thing she does. They all want to play outside. They, they all are learning to ski, even though they're only two and a half years old. Like <laughs> it really is. It does make it a place that I, I just want to stay and, and grow forever. And what I really like is obviously I'm benefiting personally from it right now, but I just love knowing other community members behind me are going to have the same benefit. And that is a phenomenal feeling. Yeah. And like, what a legacy for you to have, you know, been a part of this and to know that you kind of got this off the ground and started. So that's awesome. Yeah, I am proud of that. And what I will say is um, what's interesting about taking on a task like this is I never thought that child or early childhood education advocacy would be something that I'm passionate about, but I'm so insanely passionate about it now. And it's, it's not part of my job, but it is how I spend a lot of my day outside of my job. I I want to see this sense of relief for more mothers all around the country. And I want to use my voice, even though I'm not a, you know, well-respected, high, important person <laughs> um, in the grand scheme of the world, my voice matters and my voice does have an impact. That was probably the most important thing that I learned from this is if I didn't speak up, if my coworkers didn't speak up, we would not be in the place that we are. So every single voice matters, every opinion matters and resources are out there to help support you, even if you think that you don't know where to start. So I encourage absolutely everyone speak up about what you want, fight for what you want. There's someone who's going to listen and there's someone who's going to support it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Lauren. If anybody wants to like find you or connect with you, where could they learn more or find you at? So I can be found at um, steamboat.com backslash media. That's my day job. Um, and at website steamboat.com, you can find more information about our employer child care um, our employer-based child care center. And some other resources I would recommend is um, Epic in Colorado. I think their website is Epic Colorado, not to be confused with Epic from Vail Ski Resorts. Um, <laughs> but they are a phenomenal resource on how to invest in early childhood education, how to sign up for grants, how to get involved in their future design labs. I know it's a model that they're trying to spread throughout the country. So I definitely recommend people look into that as well. But I would gladly connect with anyone who wants to speak further on early childhood education advocacy. And thank you so much for this opportunity to share our story. Oh, thank you. And I'll be sure that all of that is linked in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Lauren. I know that I did. Something that really stood out to me is when she said you must support families if you want them to be your customers and you must support families if you want them to be your workforce. And really, I think that's the bottom line here is we just have to figure out how to support families and put the structures in place for them to have the childcare and other things that they need in order to be a productive part of society and in order to take care of themselves. I love how Lauren and her coworkers took matters into their own hands to convince their employee or employer to help be a part of the solution. And it didn't just um, solve some of the problems for them, but it also helped alleviate some of the local childcare problem. Um, I really do think that businesses and the private sector are going to have to lead the way as advocates for early childhood education. If you loved this episode, please consider leaving a rating and review wherever you're listening and sharing it with a friend. You can find the links to connect with Lauren and all of the resources she mentioned in the show notes. I'd also love to connect with you. You can find me at Playgrounds and Paychecks on Instagram or Facebook. Take care.